Welcome to Simple Truth, the teaching ministry of Pastor Eddie Turner and Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Through the practical and simple explanation of God's Word, Pastor Eddie has taught the Word of God to thousands of people around the world. The following message is from a recent service at Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Let's join Pastor Eddie as he shares simple truths from God's Word. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. How many of you were raised uh, Southern Baptist? Raise your hand. If you were raised Southern Baptist. Well, this, this is your verse. This one right here is your verse. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8. You knew this one uh, before you knew your name if you were raised Southern Baptist. You know, the Pentecostals, they say of us, your verse is Acts 2-4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Had a Baptist pastor tell me one day, he said, Eddie, if you didn't have that verse, you wouldn't have nothing. I said, but we got it. Hallelujah. We've got it. Well, the Southern Baptist, this is your verse. This is it right here. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, on Wednesday evenings, back during August, uh, we taught on the subject of righteousness. And then Dr. Mike Courtney from Branches taught us here recently. And over the years, when we was teaching on righteousness, we've noticed that there's a bunch of Christians, a lot of Christians... I would say a majority of Christians, do not have a healthy understanding of their right standing with God. They don't have a healthy understanding of what it means that they are righteous. They don't know that. They don't have an understanding of righteousness. In fact, if you ask many Christians today, are you righteous? Most will respond, no, or I'm trying to be, or I hope so. And some will say, well, I don't really know what that is. But they've been raised in church. They partake of Holy Communion. They've been baptized in water. They've gone to church all of their life, but they still are not sure of their salvation. They still feel like there's something they need to do to gain God's approval. And when people are like that, and when Christians are like that, and, and, and to be honest, being raised Pentecostal, I was kind of led to believe you're always one arm's length away, so you need to keep pressing in to get there. All right? And if you're taught that, that you're never really sure of your salvation, it will hinder your confidence in God. It'll hinder your faith. It'll hinder your boldness. It'll hinder your prayer life. So a proper understanding of our righteousness is foundational to our personal identity and our confidence as a child of God. A proper understanding. In fact, the Bible tells us in Corinthians, it says, Awake to righteousness and sin not. When I discovered the understanding of righteousness, that I was righteous, not because of anything I do, but because of what Jesus did for me, 
it totally gave me a confidence that I had not had for all my life. It gave me a confidence in Christ. It gave me a confidence in prayer. It gave me a confidence to witness. How can you witness to somebody about God wanting to save them when you're constantly thinking in the back of your mind, man, God's mad at me for what I just did, or what I did last night, or what I said, or what I didn't say. So having an understanding of righteousness, if you have asked Christ to become your Lord and Savior, then you are righteous. You are righteous. Now, I I shared this with you in August, that you're either 100% righteous or you're not righteous. There's no halfway. There's no, well, I, I didn't read today, so I'm not as righteous. I didn't read my Bible today, so I'm not as righteous as I was yesterday. That's not the way it works. You're either 100% righteous or you're not righteous at all. You're, if you're saved, you're 100% righteous, and, uh, and, and it doesn't make any difference if you read your Bible or didn't read your Bible. Now, you might have more knowledge today of the, things, the goodness of God if you read your Bible, but then an effect of who you are in Christ Jesus, whether you read or not. It's not our works. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that we might become. Everybody say, might become. We might become the righteousness of God. We are the righteousness of God. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. Turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 22. Paul's talking to young Timothy. And I'm reading now the New International Version. It says this. Paul says to Timothy, Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness. Notice what he tells him. Pursue righteousness. Pursue righteousness. Pursue faith. Pursue love. Pursue peace. Along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Now, the truth is, Paul tells Timothy, and he tells every child of God, he says, now, pursue righteousness. That word pursue literally means then just tag along looking for it. It means to be on a quest, a serious quest. It means to be on a journey with intensity is literally what the Greek, uh, how it reads there. A journey with intensity. He says, go after it. Go after it like you're hunting for a treasure. Go after it. It's not something, well, case sarah, sarah, whatever will be, will be. He says to go after it. You're on a quest. He says pursue righteousness. Now listen, if we don't know what righteousness is, how do we know what we're supposed to be pursuing? He says to go after it. Go after faith. Go after love. Go after peace. How do you pursue something that you don't know what you're pursuing? Therefore, it's vitally important. It's so important that we as mature believers have an understanding of righteousness. So what is righteousness? The word righteousness literally means right wiseness or right standing. When we say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, what we're literally saying is, I'm in right standing with God because of Christ Jesus. I am in right standing with with God because of Christ Jesus. And if somebody says to you, are you righteous? You say, yes, I'm righteous. Why? Because you understand you are in right standing with God. In the Greek language, the word just and justified means acquitted. They're the same as righteous. 
in the in that Greek, righteous is the same as just as justified in the Hebrew. So the words righteousness, just, justified means acquitted. It means to pay off. It means to discharge, to set free from the charge. So we have been set free. Our debt has been paid off. We are in right standing with Christ. Now, how does a person get in right standing? We talked about this. Turn to Romans chapter 3, verse 20. Romans chapter 3, verse 20. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Nobody gets righteous by reading the Bible. Nobody gets righteous by praying so many hours. Nobody gets righteous by giving so much money. Nobody gets righteous by attending so many church services. Notice what he says. No one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we became conscious of sin. So no person can get in right standing with God by their works or by their deeds. And that's tough for us to to get past that hurdle because for years we thought if we were faithful to church more than we were unfaithful and if we did our devotions every day and we did certain things just right, it made us feel more righteous. But if we had a bad time in our life, we had a bad season, we had a bad week, we lost our temper, or some situations come along our way that troubled us and we didn't handle it as well as we should, all of a sudden, and we said some things we shouldn't have said, all of a sudden then we, didn't, we don't feel as righteous. And that's not what the Word says. The Word says here that nobody becomes righteousness by their works. Look at Romans 3.22. The righteousness, this righteousness, is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. It seems too good to be true, but it's the gospel. I am righteous, not because of what I do, but because of what Jesus did for me. All right? I am righteous, not because of what I do, but because of what Jesus did for me. Now understand... We need to do Bible study. We need to be faithful. And we're going to talk about these things here in just a second. But those things don't make you righteous. You do those things because you are righteous. Okay? So we are the righteousness of God. I am righteous. Everybody repeat after me. I am righteous. Not because of what I do. But because of what Jesus did for me. Let's say it again. I am righteous, righteous. not because of what I do, do. but because of what Jesus did for me. me. Now, whether it's been a lack of biblical teaching or whether it's been errant teaching, many believers just have never embraced this truth. They've never embraced this truth. They continue believing, and some still believe they must work to earn their salvation. They must work to earn it. Understand this. Many Christians spent years thinking they would only be right with God if they were good enough, did enough good works, measured up, or were religious enough. But then after giving it all they have, they continue to feel unworthy because they're trusting in their works instead of the finished work of Jesus. And because of this works 
mentality, belief, background. Because of this works mentality. Many people in the last 30 years have developed a negative mentality toward works. Toward all effort. Toward anything that would be considered Christian performance. And now the, the hyper-faith movement has moved in to the church. And an overcorrection took place. And with this hyper-faith message arrived, which associates any kind of admonition toward obedience or duty or commitment or works as legalistic. Well, we don't want to get legalistic. You know, if you, you want people to come to church and be faithful, that's getting legalistic. You telling people they need to read their Bible every, every, every week, that's legalistic. The sad part of this is because so many have bought into that. Now the Lifeway publishers there did a recent survey that says 40% of all Christians, evangelical Christians, have not read their Bible in the last 30 days. 40% of all evangelical Christians have not read their Bible in the last 30 days. Well, how in the world can we be spiritually mature if we're not consistently taking in the spiritual Word of God? See? So understand, uh, understand that people have swung from one extreme, thinking they were earning acceptance by their works, to another extreme, rejecting all works, and obedience declaration as a form of legalism. Yet, yet a healthy and mature view of Scripture is to not only accept the free gift of forgiveness and acceptance that comes by grace through faith, but also to embrace the responsibilities that God sets before us as we endeavor to live obedient lives before Him. And both sides of that coin are in the Baptist Scripture, Ephesians chapter 2. They're in that Scripture right there that they love and I love so much. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10 again. For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith. This is not from yourselves. He's saying you didn't get saved because you did good works. In fact, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were yet sinners. So he's saying it here. He says, for by grace you have been saved. This is not from yourselves. You didn't earn it. You didn't work for it. You didn't achieve it. There's no way, there's nothing you could do to ever gain salvation. Verse 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Notice what he's saying. He's talking about both sides of the issue here. He said works are not the cause of our salvation. Works are the results of our salvation. Works are not the root of our salvation. Works are the fruit of our salvation. We don't work to get saved. We work for God because we are saved. All right? And, and it's important to understand that so clearly. Look at Acts chapter 10. How many believe that Jesus was the Son of God? How many believe that He was righteous? Yeah. Look at Acts ten thirty-eight. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how He went about doing what? Doing good. And healing who are all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. 
Jesus was the Son of God. The Bible says he was anointed of the Holy Spirit. He didn't have to do anything else to be pleasing to God, but he went about doing good because the results of his righteousness, the results of his kinship with God the Father is to do good works, is to do good things. In this age which we're living, personal responsibility and accountability is not a popular theme. Personal responsibility and accountability is not a popular theme. Some even in the church promote that any requirements or commands to obedience are legalistic. We shouldn't do that. Not the message of grace. But that's an unscriptural interpretation. We must understand, since we are recipients of this extravagant gift of salvation, we have a responsibility to declare and share this salvation with our circle of influence through our good works. We are the recipients of this extravagant gift. Now, we just don't receive it and sit on it. We now have a responsibility because we've received this wonderful gift. We have a responsibility to show Christ in our words and our actions. In fact, I've, I've had people say to me over the years, Pastor, you, you put too em- much emphasis on Bible study. You put too much emphasis on people being faithful. You put too much emphasis on people witnessing. You put too much emphasis on, on uh, giving. You, put too much, you just need to just tell people that Jesus loves them. I had one man tell me, just tell people Jesus loves them and they'll know what to do. They'll just know what to do. How's that working out for your kids? How'd that work out for your teenager? Just to, I love you. And now they'll just know what to do. That didn't work out for it didn't work out for the two that was raised in my house. I told them I loved them every day, and the belt came right after that. You know, I mean, so so you know, uh, let's let the, what does the word say? The Bible, whether we like it or not, is pretty uh, pretty full of scriptures that says what we should do and what we ought to do, what we should do and what we ought to do as Christians, not to gain God's favor, but because we have God's favor. Understand, none of these things that I'm getting ready to read to you, scriptures from the Word of God, that tells us that we should do some things. None of these things are to get righteous. We are already righteous. These things are because we are righteous. These things are to help us declare and expose the salvation of God that's in our life. Okay? So let's let the Scripture see if we should do some things and ought to do some things. Or since salvation is a free gift, there's no responsibility. See, some people like to say, well, there's no responsibility. You don't have any responsibility. I'm a Christian. I accepted Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. If I go to church, wonderful. If I don't go to church, wonderful. If I read my Bible, wonderful. If I don't read my Bible, wonderful. If I give, wonderful. If I don't give, wonderful. Let's see if that's what the Scripture, if that's the spirit that the Scripture really talks about. Let's look at some Scriptures. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. How many brought your Bibles? How many brought your Bible? Six of you. Romans chapter 6. That's where we need to begin, right there, bro. All right. Roman, I don't want to put you in legalism, but it wouldn't hurt to bring you up. All right. Romans chapter 6. 
Verse number 4. Notice what it says in the New King James Version. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into his death. This is talking about uh, water baptism here. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also, what's that next word? Should walk in newness of life. Notice what he says. He says, Jesus died and we died with him. In water baptism, we were buried with him in water baptism. And he was raised and he walked a recreated, regenerated, glorified person. Likewise, when we died with Christ, now we should walk different than we did before. Notice he says there's some things we should do. And that word walk literally means to live. Our manner of life should be different. Here's another one. Look at Romans chapter 7. Go over one chapter. Romans chapter 7 verse 4. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that you, that we should. Everybody say should. We should bear fruit to God. Notice he says it's a responsibility. It's not legalism. It doesn't make us righteous. It doesn't make us more saved. It doesn't put us in any better right standing with God. It's just something we ought to produce in our life. We should produce. Notice what he says. We should bear fruit to God. We should bear fruit to God. It's something we do. I, I, I hear it all the time. Well, my, my, daddy, my granddaddy had a temper. My daddy had a temper. And I just have a temper. And I, I said to him, I said, how long have you been serving the Lord? He said, well, I've been serving the Lord at least 35 years. I said, well, you ought to have that temper under control. You ought to have it under control. Doesn't mean you don't get angry, but you should bear fruit. You should bear fruit. So we have a responsibility with this great gift of salvation. All right, let's look at another one. Turn with me to uh, Romans chapter 15. Go over to Romans chapter 15. Look at verse 2. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. We should. That's not a law. I mean, he's not, if, he's not saying if you don't, God doesn't love you anymore. He's not saying that at all. You're righteous because of what Jesus did, not because of what you do. But there's still some responsibilities involved in our righteousness. There's some things we should do that he expects us to do because of our salvation. We should help others do what is right. Here's another one, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven and 28. We do this when we take of Holy Communion. And this whole passage is about communion. So anyone who eats this bread, talking about the wafer, or drinks this cup, talking about the juice of the Lord, unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. Isn't that amazing? Well, it don't matter the difference. What you do, what you say, how you live, where you go, how you act. You're saved. Grace covers everything. It's covered everything in the past, covers everything now, and will cover everything in the future. Yes, it does. No doubt about that. But notice what he says. Before you come to the table of the Lord, he says there's some things you should do. Are you saved? You better believe you're saved. Are you righteous? Yeah, you're righteous, but still, there's some things you should do. He says that. All right? 
Everybody with me still? Turn with me to Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. Galatians 6, 10. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. We should be a blessing. We should be a blessing to other people. Well, after we've done it, is God going to... We're going to be closer to God? Nah, you're already righteous. It's just what you should do because you are righteous. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. That word sanctified is a theological term. We don't use it much today. It literally means separated. It has a two-sided meaning. It means, the word sanctified literally means separated. That's what it means, separated. So he's saying it this way. It's God's will that you be separated. Separated from what? Separated from sin and separated to God. Sanctification has a two-sided meaning. It means to be separated from evil and separated unto God. See, this is the reason that good old boys won't make it to heaven. How many people have said, well, I'm as good as they are. I'm a good old boy. I'm a good old boy. They, are, they might be separated from evil. But if they're not separated unto God, they're not sanctified. I know a lot of boys that are good old boys. They won't do you wrong for anything. But they haven't separated their lives to God. They haven't surrendered their lives to God. Yeah, they're separated from evil. But they haven't surrendered their lives to God. And that's why he said, it's God's will that you be sanctified. You separate from evil and avoid sexual immorality. Here's another one, 1 Timothy 6, verse 17 and 18. Teach those who are rich in this world, Bob. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud. Bubba, where's Bubba at? Bubba, listen to this, rich in this world. Not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. How many have found that to be true? Their trust should, should, their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. Why? If I, give to, if I give to Greenhouse Ministries, if I give to Journey Home, if I give to the church, does that make me righteous? No, no, it doesn't make you righteous. You give because you are righteous. Because God has given you so much, and you give to, to Him out of your joyful and thankful heart. All right? Here's another one, Titus. I love this one, Titus. Titus chapter 2, verse number 12 says this, And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures, we should, we should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. Notice again, it's an admonition for responsibility. It's an admonition for accountability. Not to make you righteous, but because you are righteous. Titus chapter 3, verse number 8. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly. What do you want us to affirm constantly, Paul? That those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain what? Good works. 
Now listen to what he says. He says to talk about it all the time. Affirm it constantly. Keep reminding the people. Keep reminding your brothers in the Lord, and your sisters in the Lord, and your friends in Christ. Keep reminding them, now let's do good works. Let's do good works. Let's get out there and be a blessing. Let's be salt. Let's be light. Let's be a witness. Let's be the hands. Let's be the feet of Christ. We are the body of Christ. He says to constantly affirm this truth, that we should be careful to do good works. Why? These things are good and profitable to men. Here's the last one. 1 Peter 2, 20 and 21. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called... I've been called, I can't tell you the number of times, I've been called to be a great evangelist. I've been called to build a great church. I've been called to preach to thousands of people. You know, nobody's ever come up to me and said, I've been called to suffer. Has anybody ever told you they've been called to suffer? They always tell you, oh, God's called me to sing. God's told me to get on that platform. God's told me to preach. God told me, nobody, the Bible says here, we've been called to suffer. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should, should follow in his steps. We Americans are so eat up with our rights. Well, it's my rights, my rights, my right. Jesus says when you've done good and you suffer for it, you need to just take it. That's the sufferings of Christ. There's a scripture that I just don't like. I like part of it, but I don't like all of it. The Apostle Paul says, Oh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Now, if it stopped right there, I'm a good with it. Because I pray that, oh, I want to know the power of your resurrection. I want to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I want the power of God. As R.W. Shambach, I want the power of God running through my But the scripture don't stop right there. Oh, that I may know him. The power of his resurrection. The fellowship of his sufferings. The apostle Paul said, I want to know everything about Jesus. I want to experience everything. I not only want to experience it when he raised the dead and when he healed the blind and when he caused the lame to walk. He says, I want to know the power that came to him when he suffered. When he suffered. See, the Bible says we should, we should follow his footsteps. So it's important to understand. It's important to understand that God doesn't ask us to do these things in our own strength or ability. He didn't ask us to help others or to suffer for his cause or to be a blessing or to do good works. These things, he doesn't ask us to do these things in our own strength or ability. We can only fulfill God's will for our life by abiding in him. All right? Turn with me to John chapter 15. I'm about to close on my way to the finish as I head toward the runway. John chapter 15, verse number 4. Notice what it says in the NIV. Jesus is talking. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch, no branch can bear fruit by itself. 
it must remain in the vine. You and I cannot go out in our own strength and be a blessing to anybody. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So the Lord's not asking us to do these works in our own strength or ability. He says, I'm going to help you. I'm going to anoint you to do these things. I'll finish with this. Jesus is not a hard taskmaster, but he does communicate standards and expectations. He's not a hard taskmaster, but he does have standards and expectations to those of us whom he has freely redeemed, accepted, and forgiven. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3 says it like this. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Jesus is the Messiah. Christ means the, the Messiah, the coming one. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. Now, there are religions who believe that God had no son. All right? That God has no son. Islam believes that Jesus was a prophet, but he was not the son of God. Listen to what the Bible says. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out His commands. In fact, this is love for God. To keep His commands. To do the shoulds. To do the alts. And His commands are not burdensome. Why? Because He gives us strength to do them. Amen? Everybody repeat after me. I am righteous. Not because of what I do, but because of what Jesus did for me. Now, tomorrow morning, when you wake up and you need to pray about something, you get a phone call and you need to pray about something. How many have ever done this? You got a phone call, it hadn't been a good day, and, and somebody asked you to pray or you know you need to pray. And what's the first thing you do? You try to get a feeling of righteousness. And you start asking, forget, oh God, forgive me for this, forgive me for that, forgive me for this, forgive me for that. Try to get yourself worked into a position of righteousness. Instead of doing that tomorrow when you get that phone call and you don't feel so spiritual, why don't you do what the Word says? Come boldly to the throne room of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Why? Because you're already righteous. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if you get a call in the middle of the night and you're half asleep, you don't have to go through a few shandas and hokey-pokey hallelujahs. You are already righteous. Just go boldly to the throne room of grace. Just go boldly. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Stand with me, would you? 
Thank you for listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Eddie Turner. Please join us at Family Worship Center, 3045 Memorial Boulevard, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, when you are in the Middle Tennessee area. You can also learn more about FWC at our website, www.familywc.com. Thank you again for listening to The Simple Truth.